Hey everybody, my name is David Michael. And I am Michael Carter. And we are Ridiculously Bored. All right, Michael, we are in different states again. Yes. Which I'm guessing is going to make this flow a lot smoother because <laughs> it felt a little awkward just talking to each other like three feet away from, from each other's face. And I don't know why, because we did it for 20 years. But for some reason, <laughs> after doing this show for 30 some odd episodes, when we got in the same room, it was a little bit weird. Yeah, well, that's because I didn't realize you do this without pants on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I forgot to tell you that. Doesn't everybody do that in Zoom meetings and shit? Um, so I am trying out, once I was out there with you, we talked about you had to set up for your microphone. So I have a new microphone. Well, I have yeah. the same microphone, a new display for it. So I'm can interested. We, can how- we talk about your unoriginalness and how every time you come out here, you always take something away and, yeah. and repeat it at your house? Well, the one thing I won't take away is the fact that you wear a lot of Lululemon, <laughs> as I found out last week. <laughs> hey, for the record, their menswear is fantastic. My wife had a summer job there. She was bored one summer and worked and decided to work at Lululemon and got like a ridiculous discount. It was like 50% off everything. And their and their clothing is super high quality, but for super women. expensive. For women. Uh, for men, actually, if you've ever been to a Lululemon, half the store is men. Um, and it's, it's athletic wear and I'm an athlete. You wouldn't know, you wouldn't really understand because you don't do anything athletic. So I, I, I get it. It's okay. Yeah. I squeeze this body into some of that tight spandex. It's a, it's a threat to everybody around. Me. <laughs> <laughs> People are hiding their children's eyes, <laughs> throwing a fucking hand grenade in a room. <laughs> <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, I have a question for you. All right. Go ahead. Get yeah. it out. You, you were here for an entire fucking week. And I know damn well that you just made note of all the things that you thought were funny that, that we do here. So go ahead. Have at it. We'll give you the first half of the episode, no, no. and you can just make make fun of us for, I don't know, whatever you want. I'm not we'll, a fucking we'll record. trained lion that you think you could tell me when to do things <laughs> and whip the whip and throw a piece of meat in front of me. Though I'm uh-huh. not against throwing a piece of meat in front of me. But I'd rather <laughs> than just sprinkle them in as they come around. Got so, it. Got it. Okay. Um, <clears throat> So right. I have a, a question for you. I have an answer for you. Right. Fuck off. So I want to run by a scenario to you and you tell me what you think. So let's say you're hanging off a cliff and somebody comes to help you. And in essence, the only way they can help you is to get so close that they're pressing their dick against your back. But you're hanging off a cliff and you need help. You, you accept that help, right? Are they naked? No, not naked, but you you can definitely feel their dick against your back. Okay. Did you but, feel my dick against your back last week? Because no. I, I totally thought you were sleeping. So, <laughs> yeah, it's nothing there to wake me up either, I'll be honest with you people. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> All right. Let's say you fall in a swamp uh-huh. filled with alligators. Yeah. Somebody needs to help you out of the swamp. If feel his the dick, dick is long enough, I will grab it and pull myself out for okay. sure. Now. I will take dick over death any day. Okay. Now. Let's say you're in a gym and you're holding 10-pound weights over your head. (laughs) And the guy doesn't trust that you're going to be able to hold him for too long. And he comes so close to you that I could definitely tell he wasn't Jewish. That's the most I can tell you. (laughs) But the fact of the matter is, like, I could feel, because he had me doing a certain amount of reps, and it's my personal Mm -hmm. trainer that I'm using now. 
Um, I know by the looks of me, it hasn't been much success, but I am using him. <laughs> um, he eventually, after me getting, I don't know, 5, 10, 15 into it or whatever, he realized like he could see that the strength was going. So he got really, really close and he was right up on me. And, uh, and I had to decide in that moment, is it worth potentially dropping a dumbbell on my head to move away from him or should I just stay there? So I stayed. <laughs> and did you enjoy it? I did not enjoy it, but it was, uh, it was a moment. Him and I had a moment now. Well, for, for what it's worth, um, one pound dumbbells don't weigh a whole lot. So you could have dropped it and you would have been fine. They were, they weren't one pound. They weren't <laughs> far from it, but they weren't one pound. <laughs> All right. Well, Hey, you know what? Sometimes you got to take a little dick in order to make progress in yeah. life. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we don't, we know that. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so how was your week since we've left? Oh. Well, I've been I've been sterilizing the house since you guys left. Um, other than no, I'm kidding. Um, you know what? Week was fine. Nothing nothing crazy happened. Um, yeah, nothing at all. We did after you guys left. We did go paddleboarding. We've talked about my paddleboards. We mm -hmm. went paddleboarding on Sunday. Um, we drove down to the lake at like six a.m. because it was just obviously it's, it gets super hot um, any later than that. And then we paddle boarded out into the middle of the lake, bungeed our, our boards together and had a cooler and just drank and laid out in the sun for like nice. two hours. And it actually surprisingly made me not hate the state of Arizona for a couple hours because we were in the water, you know, feet in the water, arms in the water, chilling, you know, we've got a Bluetooth waterproof radio. So it was like being at the beach, not sweating and melting and um and enjoying some music and some beers and it was actually like somewhat enjoyable so much so that we're like we need to do this more often so that we don't hate this place and then so, when 9 a.m rolled around and it was 95 <laughs> degrees already did you still we have left. that same feeling no we left <laughs> <laughs> so at one point when we were out there right you took my kids um paddle boarding they both mm -hmm. liked it a lot um so that was fun one of the things and i think it was at that point when we were going to the paddleboarding place where I think it was my son, it could have been my daughter, but I think it was my son. He asked you and I, which is harder, packing to go somewhere or packing to go home? Mm -hmm. And both you and I were like, well, clearly packing to go somewhere because when you, once you're there and you leave, you just pack everything up that you brought and you go home. So maybe it was Tuesday of this week. My wife couldn't find some things. And it turns out that she left a drawer full of shit at your house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't know about that, but I did see some uh, messages going back and forth between my wife and your wife. So uh, uh, that, that makes perfect sense now. <laughs> and I just thought it was really funny because we had actually had that conversation just before we left. About how it's, oh, it's so much easier when you're going home. You just pack everything that you brought. There is a caveat to that, though, because, I mean, every time my wife and I go somewhere, we usually fucking end up buying shit. And then, oh, let's get something for my daughter. Let's get something for my son. Get something for the in-laws, whatever, right? And then you end up with so much shit that you have to, oh, let's go buy a bag so that we can pack an additional bag and send it back on the plane. Uh, that quite happens a lot. Yeah. Well, they have, my wife has... um because they're deals and she likes spending money, she buys these bags that zip down really small. So sometimes she'll mm -hmm. pack one of those inside the other bag so she can open it up. Right. So we'll see. All right. Well, before we digress too far, let's talk about this week's topic because I've been actually looking forward to this conversation for a while. Okay. New Rochelle. Yes. New York. 
So I this came up recently because me and a bunch of my cousins got together for dinner first time in a long time that uh, I think it was six of us who got together. Um, one of the reasons why it's been so long was obviously because of COVID. You know, mm-hmm. one doesn't live that close, so we had to really organize once things started opening up. And while we're at dinner, my youngest cousin, who he's also the one who like sometimes he's like, oh, that was a '90s rap group, like. He always just seems to be behind on certain things. So <laughs> we were talking about Nourishell a little bit, and we one of us mentioned how bad it was, and he was like, oh, it wasn't that bad. I don't know what you're talking about. And all the rest of us were like, what? He clearly like, lived on the north side. <laughs> yeah, or just was sheltered because he was the baby of the uh, the bunch. Yeah. So we were like, no, no, no. Nourishell had a lot of problems. And so I was like, you know what? And I, when you and I were talking, I was like, you know, I'd like to tell some random stories about Nourishell. Some we might have hit on little pieces here and there, but I thought it'd be a good idea to just run down some stories on Nourishell. Encapsulate them all in one episode? Yes. For so, sure. Let's do it. Where did you want to start, though? Jesus Christ. Well, we could start anywhere. I'm going to start with the easy one, though. And I've talked about this one before. My house. So we lived on the south end of Nourishell. Mm-hmm. And... Um, New Rochelle was kind of split into really, even though there's an East, but it was really split into three. There was the West End, which were a lot of the Italians and Hispanics. Um, there was the North End, which were million, West two end, million you dollar mean like Union Avenue, that yeah, whole area Union down there. Avenue, yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, there was North End, which had the million, two million dollar homes. Um, Iona College is near there. New Rochelle High School is near there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you're you're um, also where like Dick Van Dyke used to yes, live. There's like, like a that kind of statue stuff. of him in that house. Yeah, and then the South End, which is near the water, which is near Hudson Park, Glen Island, mm-hmm. those type things. That's where we grew up. Right. And so, you know, my house was robbed four times growing up, and the couple times we always seemed to be kids. I think who were doing it because they never really took a lot of stuff. They just took a couple, basically what they could grab. And I think it was because they knew we weren't home and things like that. So, but was it like TVs and VCRs, or was it like you know jewelry? Like what what type of stuff ended up missing? Yes, yes, and yes. All <laughs> well, it was all it. different times though. So like one time they you took just said the TV they didn't and, take much, but it sounds like they took everything. Well, one in time value. <laughs> they took the TV and the VCR, right? Right. Um, and you know it's funny because years later, my brother's house—he moved down to North Carolina. My brother's house got robbed. Um, and he unfortunately didn't have the money to buy a couple things. So I, I bought it for him and my nephew, my nephew's like Xbox type thing got stolen. My brother's TV got stolen. So I gave him the money to buy the stuff. And I told him, I said, you know, one of the things you got to explain to your kid is when we grew up and shit got stolen, like we didn't have it replaced for months. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. mom and dad had to restart saving to be able to buy another TV. Like they couldn't just go buy it. So, um, then the last time, which was the day of my sister's wedding. So clearly, you know, when, when somebody gets married, there's always this big pomp and circumstances that go along with it. The limos are out front. Everybody's taking a million pictures. So while it was supposed to be like a happy day for the family, clearly people were just watching like, oh, yep, nobody's going to be home later there. We're robbing that place. Right. So um, that time they just took some cash that like a couple of the bridesmaids left and jewelry that people had left. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. My dad's, um, so my dad was a licensed electrician growing up. So he always had his entire business was in his van. He had this big van. And for most of my childhood, it was a very old and loud van. So loud that, um, I was late for school almost every day just because 
just because we were always late <laughs> and the kids in the school could hear us coming and they would make fun. They would say, oh, David's here because <laughs> they can hear. And this was a, you know, a pretty large school with, you know, seven or eight floors worth of classrooms. And uh, they could hear my, my dad's truck coming around the corner, dropping me off. So that was kind of funny. But his entire business existed in that van. He had shelves on it and all, you know, he had all sorts of wiring and nuts and bolts and all sorts of stuff. But more importantly, he had tools that were really expensive, you know. A drill gun nowadays is, you know, 80, 70, 80 bucks. But back then, you know, it was like two, 300 bucks for a good quality one that's going to last, you know, and he had all these different like right angle drills and sawzaws and, and, you know, all sorts of things so that he can do the things that he needed to do in order to get his job done. And he kept it all inside of his truck. Right. And uh, every once in a while, I would wake up in the morning and I would hear slamming around the house and I'd hear F-bombs and my dad was always a big hothead. So um, and I'd wake up and I'd go outside and he would be screaming because somebody broke into his truck. And then I'd look out the window to the parking lot and see my dad's truck and all the doors were wide open. Like they, when they robbed his truck, they would literally just open all the doors empty it and then leave it like they wouldn't even try and cover up the fact that hey we stole this they would just leave all the doors wide open so like you knew as soon as you walked outside that you're you've been robbed because everything was just and you can see like a trail of like nuts and bolts because <laughs> as they were running away shit would like fall out and whatnot. like a robot that's dying as it runs away <laughs> yeah so i never talked about that that much but that happened um almost every year so it wasn't just like three or four times. It was an annual thing. So much so that at the end of the day, my dad, when after he like replaced them all, he would bring all of his tools inside the house so that the truck wasn't as valuable um, as it as it you know was prior to that. But you know, I also remember um, I used to work with my dad in the summers, and I hated it, but he paid really well. So you know, I would, could definitely use the money. So I would work. I would be his assistant. And sometimes we'd go to the Bronx, we'd go to the city, we'd go all over the place, right? One time we were in the Bronx and we had to stop at this electrical supply store. And it was, couldn't have been like, it was like the most major street there. Uh, I mean, there was probably two lanes on each side, like cars all over the place, people walking everywhere. It was not like a quiet street by any stretch of the imagination. Um, we both, you know, exit the van, lock it, go into the store and we're there for 20 minutes. We come out of the store and the, all the doors in the van are open and it's emptied. Like they had like in a matter of 20 minutes and in broad daylight with people all around had smashed the window, opened the door, opened all the doors and emptied the entire truck of all of its contents and then ran away by the time we had gotten out there. And we walked out and we're like, did anybody see this happen? And everybody yeah, nobody just ever kind of, sees nope. anything. Yeah, nobody <laughs> sees anything. You know, so that's the other thing is, you know, we only we live from the center of Manhattan. We only live about 18, 19 miles mm -hmm. um, to the Bronx border. You can actually get there from the end of New Rochelle. You could get there in like six miles. Right. So we actually live really close. You know, and sometimes when I talk to people. And they're like, oh, I'm from New York. And they're, I'm like, oh, where are you from? And they're like, yeah, you know, New York. And I'm like, well, where? And they're like, Rochester. I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you might as well be from Canada at that point. Like, yeah. you know, if you're that far up. So, 
Um, I've only had one car that stuff was robbed from the car, but it <laughs> so stupid. I had this new Jeep. We got a brand new Jeep in 92. And so this happened a few years after that, but I got the new Jeep in 92. I put this, as everybody should, this fucking kicking sound system in it. Mm-hmm. And smartly, I had an alarm on it as well. So there was a major useless. flaw in these old Jeep designs was they didn't have a lock on the inside to open the trunk. I mean, the uh, uh, the front like you do on cars. Mm-hmm. You actually had these two clips on the outside of the Jeep. So somebody just took the clips off, lifted the hood, and disconnected the battery. So killed the uh, alarm. So it never went off. So, by the way, so I just... I mean, I, I owned a, a completely upscaled, tricked out Jeep, um, a, a Rubicon, and it was a 2012, okay? Still, with the hood, it's held in by clips. So if you want to, you just unplug both clips, pop the hood open, and you can do whatever you want yeah. with underneath the hood. So that's still a design feature today. You can buy locking clips, but they still sell them like that, you know, See, 20, crazy. 30 years later. So I, I doubt anybody's robbing in Arizona. By the time you get out there, you're too hot and sweaty. <laughs> um, so they took, they did that, and they took all the speakers out of the car. So the whole sound system they took out. Where was it? Was that in front of your house when they did that? It was, was on was Main Street, else? actually. Was, oh, while you were at work? Yeah. Wow. And so, again, you know, nobody sees anything when this kind of stuff happens. It's the old snitches get stitches, right? That, that, uh, yeah. that approach goes through. Yeah, I know. I mean... And that that's like just like stuff that happened around us. Like there was like stuff that happened to us too. I mean, I can go on for hours about just all the different stories. Like, you know, walking home from school, I went to a Catholic school that was, you know, like a mile, maybe a mile and a half away from the house and walking home, I got robbed probably 10, 15 times. You know, kids just walk up to you. They surround you. It's a five on one situation. And they're like, yeah, empty your pockets. Especially and- if you're a little preppy outfit they knew you were. An easy I, I was target. a target and i mean it took it took it happening like three or four times before one i got smarter and didn't put myself in situations where that could happen like if i felt like it was gonna you, this is how you know people talk about street smarts sometimes you just have it innately and other times it's experience <laughs> and in this case was experience you get robbed enough times you're like all right i'm not going down that street i'm going to walk across the street if i see a group of people coming towards me i'm going to go ahead and cross the street and pretend like i'm going somewhere else um you know i'm not going to bring money with me i'm not going to have a wallet you know if they want to rob me they can take my school books i don't care <laughs> but i mean that that happened all the time yeah i i've never been robbed myself other than the time i gave the guy money for a fake id and he just left <laughs> but i've never been robbed where somebody's <laughs> taking the stuff on me um so i was talking about the main street right so i worked at a comic book store on main street mm-hmm. two different spots on main street it actually moved over the years but on one of them there was a um shooting that happened outside the comic store where cops had to come in and dig the fucking bullets out of the wall because so the was evidence this, was like in the wall. So there was a nightclub across the street from the comic store. I know this because I used to go there when I was in high school. Was it something that happened at night and then like the next day they had to go grab the evidence or did yeah. it happen while you were working? No, I wasn't working. It happened at night. Yeah, uh-huh. that nightclub was, um, I think it was called Palladia, I think. Yeah, something like that. I used to go there all the time too. Yeah. 
that was known for a rowdy crowd, for yep. sure. Not to be confused with Marty and Lenny's, which was a little bit around the block. That was just like <laughs> people who thought they were in Miami that weren't. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, um, how was how was your school? So you went to smaller schools, right? Like yeah. your Catholic school, I think your elementary and middle school might have been, what, 30, 40 people a class, right? Yeah, about 30 people per class. How much was your high school? Like how many were in your high school class? Uh, only like 100 yeah. per class. So my school had over 600 in any given year. And the school was a three-year school at the time. They've now made it a four-year school, believe it or not. And by class, I don't mean classroom. I mean, like, there was 100 freshmen, 100 sophomores, yeah. 100 juniors. Yeah. And so in my my school was a public school, Nurshaw High School. And at that time that I was there in the late 80s, we were having a lot of um, race issues in Nurshaw. Yeah. And by school, you mean that place that you used to go to every once in a while? Well, no, I went every morning and then I immediately left most mornings, <laughs> but I did start the morning there because okay, they had a clear. system in place was if you didn't go to homeroom, they called your house. Mm -hmm. Ironically, that was the only class you had to go to for them not to call your house. So I used to go to homeroom, check in and then find somebody to leave and leave for the day. So did you have an end game in mind when this was like, were you like, eh, you know what? I'll figure it out later. Like when, so, I mean, for me. It took a while. I mean, my school was pretty far away from my house. So, I mean, it, would, it was, you know, for me to walk home. There was a, there was a, a private bus that went in the mornings and in the afternoons. That was right. it, right? And it was pretty far away. So, if I didn't have a car, I was stranded there. So, there was nothing to cut, right? If you cut, you're miles away from, it was, you know, in the middle of a residential neighborhood and like miles away from even like a, a deli to where you can go hang out, right? So, there was just no reason. But you would go to school and then you would just leave, right? right? Which is fine. But at some point in time, you it, you it has to cross your mind, like, what am I doing with the rest of my life? No, that's the problem. It didn't. <laughs> <laughs> the, the approach was <clears throat> go to homeroom, leave for the day. Sometimes I'd even go to a couple classes and then leave for the day. Because the strategy was if I go to a couple classes, because I took a public bus. So I'd walk to the corner. Yeah, of our which street. ran take, like every 20 minutes. Yeah, every 20 minutes, yeah. take the public bus. The high, the high school, there was a public bus right in front of it. So the strategy, the only strategy I had was on the days that I went to a couple classes, the hot dog truck showed up right next to the bus stop. So I could get a couple <laughs> hot dogs before I got on the bus and went home. So yeah, no, I didn't. Look, I never thought I was going to go back to college. I worked in a warehouse um Late in my high school years, even when I was still supposed to be in high school, I worked in a warehouse. So at the time, like there was no long-term plan. The plan was, mm. we're going to keep doing this. I'm making pretty good money. We'll see what happens. And then at some point, after I had dropped out of high school and I was doing that for a couple extra years, that's where I started saying, like, man, I don't want to fucking do this exact same thing for the next 40 years. Yeah. So, so question for you. Was there, was there a moment? Where you were like, I'm dropping out of high school. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm no longer registering for classes. Uh, my parents would not allow that approach. <laughs> so, so for you, dropping out of high school was, I'm just not going to show up. Correct. Got it. And so, even when the eventually, what happened was, I think it was 11th grade. They called my dad in for what probably was the literally hundredth time he'd been into my mm -hmm. different schools over the years, and they laid out a plan to him, like, hey. In essence, your kid's a problem kid. 
we're going to send them to a school that is like a sister school, but it's like really smaller classes, almost like uh, the breakfast club type approach where everybody's in one room. They know you're there. They watch you at the end of the day. You can go. And my dad was like, here's the deal. Like, I'm not coming in anymore. You do whatever you want. Whatever works for you works. I'm not coming in anymore. And so once he had that approach, then I actually started going even less. Like there were some mornings I wouldn't even go then to worry about the uh, call from home. Yeah, because you knew that you weren't going to get in trouble. Yeah. So, so that, I mean, there was, there was no end plan. I mean, unfortunately, as you get older and you smarten up and you start experiencing things. And look, I was always a pretty street smart kid. But the the other side of life started catching up with you. Like, what am I going to do? Do I want to buy a house? Do I want to have a family? You know, all those kind of things that go along with it. So um, do I want a career versus a job? And look, look, the other thing is, too, like, look, I could have made pretty good money in what I was doing, but not the kind of money I'm making now. Yeah. And and it would have just been a job. And who knows what would have happened, like, during the pandemic? Like, because, you know, we used to do conventions all around the U.S., so that right. shit would have been shut down. So, yeah. you know, probably, I don't know. I mean, look, I started, I started out of school. You know, we had just brought this up the other day to a few people. I started out of school 25 years ago making $40,000. And I was actually making more in the warehouse. I had to take a pay cut to go to the the firm. And I'm like, yeah, this whole go to school and make a good job, like this doesn't make sense here. But like, and I was able to live on $40,000. I had a fucking apartment. I had a car. I had a roommate. But I couldn't live on $40,000 now. And I know it's because as you go, things change. And, you know, you have kids and family and a bigger house, not an apartment, all that stuff. But. It's crazy, like just to look back and be like, "Oh yeah, I live. I live. Yeah. Per- I thought I lived perfectly fine on forty thousand bucks." Yeah, no shit. So. Do you remember um, the thing about Main Street New Rochelle was that there were a whole bunch of different types of shops for like you know ten blocks of just like stores, and if you go there now, um, last time I like drove through New Rochelle, they're all shut down. Like it's, I mean, Main Street. At least the last time I saw it, looked like it looked like something out of a zombie movie. I mean, it was mostly like broken windows and. And stuff boarded up and like nothing was going on. I don't know what it looks like now. There's still um, some of that. And the stores that have seemed to prosper, which I cannot understand, there's about three in a nine block radius, cowboy boots. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. In, in I, New York. I, I, not only New York, in New Rochelle, cowboy yeah, boots. There is crazy. literally three different stores from where the movie theaters used to be. Throw mm-hmm. a rock almost any way you hit one of those cowboy boot stores. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. The, um, I remember the, uh, gosh, what's the correct term? The Asian stores that sold either jewelry or like curio items. But if you knew what else they sold, you can walk to the back and you can ask them for things like fireworks. I think one of them sold weed. Yep. Like there were all sorts of like every, like every Asian store had a back room that, sold something that wasn't supposed to be sold or wasn't legal. Like, it's funny because, you know, you were here for 4th of July. You can buy fireworks in just about any supermarket in Arizona, but they're the fireworks that they're like, like sparklers. And, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't shoot higher than like, you know, 10 feet off the ground. They're very like underwhelming compared to the stuff that we grew up with. We can buy M80s and Blockbusters, which is like a quarter stick of dynamite and a brick of firecrackers and jumping jacks and chasers and bottle rockets. 
all those things we could buy just by going to like one of the Asian stores and then going to the back and then showing the guy some money and then he would open up like a treasure chest of stuff and we can buy them there. Yeah, like, and the the funny thing about those stores was it, it like you said if you knew people, but even when you first walked into them, there was no like hey you got any stuff in the back? Maybe, you know, it was just like, Hey, I'm here to buy fireworks. And like, yeah, sure. Go in the back. Like there was no yeah. hiding the fact. Yeah. And then there was also like a, a vicious circle because I don't, I'm sure you remember this. You buy the stuff in the Asian store in the back, you go, you shoot some off, you get caught by the cops. The cops would take them. They never really like press charges or anything. They would just yeah. take them. But then I had a friend who knew a cop and we would actually buy some back from the cop. <laughs> So it was like <laughs> a vicious cycle. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't like turning them in. They were reselling them on the street. Yeah. But I mean, the funny, the fact that, I mean, we were in grade school, not even high school. Like we were like seventh and eighth grade, or at least I was, you were a little bit older. Um, the, I mean, they, and they were selling us like blockbusters, M80s. Like we were buying some heavy duty fireworks from them and could have, it's amazing. We didn't lose a hand or a limb from, from just doing all that stuff. But it was just, it's kind of just what people did. Yeah. So funny story about, about the Asian stores that are in New Rochelle. When my wife first came here from Australia, who, as you know, my wife is Asian. My dad was telling a story about the Asian grocery store that he goes to. Mm. And so I turned to my wife because when you say an Asian grocery store, it has an implication of, you know, they sell like, um, a lot of the unique Asian food, the maybe the noodles you could today, get, today, right? yeah, yeah, today, today. That's it. It's a it's a um, it's a very specific thing. They sell you know like Asian foods, right? Whereas so, Asian stores in New Rochelle were like everything supermarkets. Yes. And an Asian so, store. <laughs> yes, and there was one that's a particular one that was very close to North Avenue, which was a fruit stand. And my dad would always call it the Asian fruit store. And I'd say to my wife, there's just an Asian lady who runs it. It's a regular fucking fruit <laughs> yeah. store. Like, I don't know why he calls it the Asian fruit store. <laughs> yeah, that's what we called it. That's yeah. it. it was, anytime we had to go get something, it was go to the Asian store. Well, it was actually go to the Chinese store, but I don't think that's politically correct. So no. the Oriental store is what you say, right? No, no, no we don't say that. Okay, no, I don't sorry. think we say that. <laughs> um, sorry to all the Oriental rugs out there. <laughs> <laughs> you just offended every Oriental rug on the planet. Um, so one thing I was starting to say about New Rochelle High School was the race riots that happened in the late 80s, where it had gotten to a point where it was so much tension between, it was really between blacks and whites. The, the Hispanic crowd, I don't remember them siding with either side, to be honest, but the tension had gotten so bad that... There was a point where a white guy was chasing a black guy down the hallway with a knife, yelling very derogatory words at him. And, the and this teacher, is at Nershaw High School. Nershaw High School. Mm -hmm. The teacher went to the door to see what was happening. We could hear the words. We heard the guy run by. We heard the other guy run by. He literally just closed the door and was like, yeah. I'm not getting involved. <laughs> yeah. So this is one of those things. Like... Do you remember, um, I don't remember the year, but it was the Rodney King um, incident where they caught it on camera, like six or seven police cops in mm -hmm. L.A. beating the crap out of this guy. Um, when they got off, when they announced the verdict and they basically, those police officers didn't get charged with anything, um, riots happened all over the country. But particularly in New Rochelle, I remember 
going to school the next morning and the bus drove down, I think it was North Avenue and for a couple of miles and it looked like Northern Ireland. I mean, like car, like cars had been lit on fire. You can see smoldered remains of anything. All the stores had been looted. All of the windows had been smashed in. Like it was super crazy shit. Yeah. And you know, it's unfortunate that that's still happening today, right? When yeah. some of these verdicts are coming back with, um, you know, Black Lives Matter things that have been happening where the verdicts are coming back that I don't know how any sane person doesn't see what happened. Usually there's a lot of them that have video, no less, not just right. people's words, they have videos. And so a lot of that stuff is still happening. But um, do you remember the guy, Dennis, who lived one, the street on the other side of you, I think that's um, Lafayette. Yeah. Um, where he was the neighborhood drug dealer. <laughs> and so he used to sell drugs all the time on the street. Uh, I never I never purchased drugs in those days, but I knew you can see the drug deals happening. Mm -hmm. I mean, I lived next to a halfway house, right? So um, a little bit about that, and then we can make full circle back to Dennis. But the halfway house was literally 20 feet from my door, 30 feet from my door. And the people that lived in there were recovering drug addicts that they put there and it was like a government funded program and they, they hardly paid anything for rent, but most of them were absolutely bonkers and crazy and out of their mind and had clearly not kicked the habit. So, um, we would be outside of my parking lot playing basketball and then people were, there were drug deals like 10, 15 feet away. People were, and then they were, especially when crack became popular, they were out there smoking it. Like it was just eh, no big deal. Like nobody cares. I'm not trying to hide it. Yeah. And you tell, you tell the story about the time you went on a site visit with your dad in New Rochelle, where oh, you went in the basement on Lincoln yeah. Avenue and you were literally like kicking crack files as you were. Going it was the corner the of Lincoln and North. And it was, it was a, I don't know if it was a halfway house or not, but I remember looking down in the grass and picking up a little crack file and going to my dad, like, look, hey, look what I found. He's like, put that down. You don't touch that. You can get AIDS. <laughs> so, so uh, parents. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so Dennis was um, used to sell drugs. I never bought drugs either. I had a lot of cousins who did, so I've been I've been around it quite a right. few times. Um, did Dennis have a brother? No, not that I know of. Oh, okay. Um, so he he used to sell stuff all the time, and he gotten busted a couple times too. And so like he would go away for a while, so like you wouldn't see him for six months, and then he'd be back. And he'd be like, "Hey, Dennis, where you been?" He'd be like, "Oh, the family went up north for a little." Like he never yeah. actually <laughs> talked about it. Sure. So how was Juvie? <laughs> yeah, it's just it. Look, I I get that people are gonna do whatever they need to do to make money. I get it. Right. But it was so crazy how the, the like you see in movies a lot where it's like very secretive kind of deals. Like you know, somebody's on a corner and they give a signal and they go to somebody else and that's where they get the stuff. And, you know, it's like in movies, it's always multiple layers of these deals so people can um, avoid the being watched and the, the chain of command and all that stuff. In mm -hmm. Shell, it was just like. The guys would just walk down the street and be like, so out in the open. You won't it was, you won't weep? You won't weep? Yeah. Like, they just didn't care. And, and it wasn't even that. Like, you know, like I said, you know, my dad's van getting broken into in broad daylight on one of the busiest streets in the Bronx. And 
people just look the other way. I was waiting. I, I worked at a bank in Mount Vernon, which um, wasn't too far from the Bronx and wasn't too far from New Rochelle. And one day um, after I was done with my shift, I'm outside at the bus stop waiting. And these three guys just walked across. And there's like 10 people with me all waiting for the bus. And these three guys just across the street walked up to a car and one of them took a bat and smashed the window in. And we like, of course, it startled us. So we all looked over and the guy reached in and pulled out like a purse and a bunch of other stuff. And then they just walked away, like not ran away, not like tried to do it secretly, like just ballsy, broad daylight. And I remember looking around at me at, to, you know, to see if anybody was going to do anything and people just kind of looked away and just was like, just minding my own business, not getting involved. It was just like so matter of fact, no, but it like, it struck me that they could do that. Cause in my mind, I'm like, screw those bastards. Let's go get them. You know, but you look around and people are just like, Nope, I don't want to get involved. It's not worth it. It's not my car. I don't care. So, one other thing that was a little bit unique to Nurshad, I told this, I actually just mentioned this recently to my wife. I don't know what, how I thought about it, but I mentioned it to her. And she's like, are you fucking crazy? We used, my, my dad used to buy fish out of a car's trunk. So, yeah, so in, it was fresh. <laughs> yeah, in Glen Island, there was uh, the boat that used to go out every day. I can't remember the mm-hmm. name of it. But it used to go out every day and people would come home and whatever what they'd catch. They would load up the back of their car, and they had some ice in there and stuff, but mm-hmm. they would drive around the corner so they're not in the same area. They'd open up their trunk, and you could buy fish out of it. And so my parents used to do that like every week. We used to go down there, and they used to buy it. And the funny thing is when I was telling my wife this story, like now that she's pointed it out to me, I know how crazy it fucking sounds. But I was telling it to her like, yeah, no, this is just what you did. This is where you got fresh fish. You're like, you went, got it from the guy who just caught it that day, and you buy it out of the back of his car. So did you ever – do you guys ever do anything like that? Because there was a lot of those cars near Glen Island. Yeah, except we didn't buy fish. The uh, So my dad, I don't know if he just was working in an area where this happened often, but there would be days where he would come home with – like speakers like you know like at the time like infinity or whatever the the, like the hot brand of like electronics was at the time and i'd be like dad those are like really expensive speakers where did you get them and he's like ah, i bought it off the back of a truck some guy was selling them they were 20 bucks a piece i'm like dad those are like 400 dollars each like speakers like they didn't pay 20 bucks for those he's like oh yeah i paid 20 bucks for them i mean the the out of the back of a trunk or out of the back of a truck deals that happened in New York were like legendary. Like today it would be iPhones and iPads and like super expensive electronics. I think that's that would be the equivalent of what you would find today if you found somebody that just happened to have a truck and open the back door and be like, hey bud, you want any of this stuff? Like that's what you would see. Yeah, I used to date a girl who she got, she was connected with some guys who used to, in essence, <laughs> Rob Banana Republic trucks is the only the only thing I can think of. It wasn't shit was falling out the back. They used to basically rob the trucks, and then she would buy a bunch of merchandise from, and it was just whatever. Mm-hmm. She would buy you know ten dollars a pair, twenty dollars a pair, things like that, because it still had all the tags and shit on it. Then she would go to the store and return it and be like, oh, I, you know, I bought this for some family members. It's all the wrong sizes, and you know, this was twenty five years ago, so. You know, software wasn't as um, 
the logic wasn't there to be like, wait a minute, you just returned, you know, $400 worth of shit at this store as well. And mm-hmm. so that she, she did that all the time. And she mm-hmm. would get like these massive gift cards to Banana Republic and then get actually shit that she wanted. So, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty crazy. And Banana Republic wasn't really my size. It was my style, but not my size. So I never really got anything out <laughs> so, of it. So, I mean... That's back when Banana Repub- Banana Republic actually sold like safari clothing, or was that like after they made the switch to like Old Navy style? It was stuff? a little bit after the switch because they started carrying like business ish clothes. Oh yeah, I used yeah. to love Banana Republic because you could go get like khakis and like safari hats, and like that whole style was awesome. I remember the safari stores in like the Stanford Mall had like a like a jeep busting out of the front of the store it was like super overdone and really cool as like a teenager but then they went like they got i don't know they got bought by like gap or old navy and then all of a sudden they just it just became normal clothes like that you can buy at like macy's you know the other thing that's funny is that's a name that i'm surprised they're allowed to keep right because banana republic is a derogatory stands for yeah yeah name for um some third world country so Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I didn't even think about that till we just started talking about that. Hashtag yeah. me too, right? No, no. wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So one other one that I used to do on the way to school every morning, and I think newspapers are, are pretty much a dead industry now, and I think I started the trend. We used to walk to school each morning, and we walked by a, a newspaper machine on the street, which mm-hmm. if anybody listening to this has seen one of those, it's like uh, – the one where you put the quarter in and you open it up and you can take 30 newspapers if you and want And that's to. exactly what we used to do. So we'd put a quarter in, we'd take yeah. all the newspapers out, we'd keep half of them to try to sell like door to door, and the other half, just to fuck the people even more, we just put them on top of the uh, yeah. <laughs> So people the could machine. walk by and take so them. So anybody yeah. who walked by could just take them. So, I yeah. don't know who thought the honor system would work for vending machines. That's like the dumbest idea ever. Although I will tell you this at my, the company that I work for, um, at their headquarters in Chicago, they have a, uh, a snack bar that it's, it's maxed out and any snack you can possibly imagine that you would find in a convenience store exists in the building in this snack bar and it's the honor system. So you basically, you walk in, and I'm sure there's cameras everywhere, but you can't really see them. You walk in, you take what you want, you walk it up to a kiosk, you scan it. There's nobody in this, there's nobody in there. You scan it, and then you scan your credit card, and then you walk away. Like, that's it. So speaking of the honor system, when we walked through the Arizona airport last week, Mm -hmm. everything was closed. By the time we landed, it was like 9, 9.30, whatever it was. Everything was closed, except there was one honor system kiosk open. It's funny that you mentioned that, and I actually said to my wife, that shit would be fucking bare if that was in New York. If they tried that shit in New York, that'd be absolutely bare. Yep. All right. What about good things? What's name one good thing that you remember about Nurshell? We can't let make the whole episode about bashing Nurshell. There's highways that get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. There's got to be something from your childhood that you. Yeah. Well, look, here's the, good the, to me, the biggest thing that I got out of Nurshell, and I say this all the time. And especially now, it's even more important because now with all the race issues and all those things, when you are pretty poor, there is no black guy. There is no Hispanic guy. There is no Italian guy. You're all poor. That Mm -hmm. trumps everything, right? So growing up, our friends are a multitude of nationalities, Mm -hmm. colors, all those different things because of that. So that's one thing I really do appreciate is... Having grown up that way, you got to 
experience a lot of different things um, from that aspect. So that's one thing I actually did like about New Rochelle. Yeah. I like, well, I mean, to, to piggyback on that, the experiences that we had there made us who we are. I mean, um, street smarts we got because we had to survive. Um, you know, and, and it's not like, you know, there weren't bullets um, buzzing by our head. Do you remember the Chevy Novas? We had, my parents had one. Um, I know, but do you remember on. the Blue Novas, the gang that used to drive by when we were outside and throw M80s and Blockbusters out the window of the car? You've talked we used about to those. Scatter? I do not remember those you at all. You don't remember that? Oh, no. my God. Anytime we saw a Blue Nova, we would, like, run for the bushes. I can't believe you don't remember that. No. Maybe I um, was uh, too scared and it's- I, I was just about to mind. say, like, we didn't have, like, you know, there, were, there weren't, like, bullets whizzing by our heads or anything. And then that, I reminded, I'm like, no, just quarter stick of dynamite. <laughs> Yeah, but as you talk about like street smart, sometimes we learned it the hard way. Like when you and I have talked about this before, when the Beastie Boys were popular, you and I were going around ripping oh, off the Jesus. Volkswagen logos yep. and where the guy came up to us and we Trying knew to enough to go up to his room, not yeah. to go up to his apartment, but I don't think we really understood why, where he was like, hey guys, why don't you come up to my apartment? We can hang out for a little. And yeah. we were just like, no, I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah. Ugh, so, so many close calls. Anyways, what I was trying to say on the good side of things is, you know, we learned a lot, um, but more importantly, I learned what I didn't want my kids to experience. Like all those experiences that I took, I remember going, you know what? I don't, I don't you know, I'm going to get a good job. I'm going to get out of this freaking town, never come back. And I'm going to provide my kids a lifestyle so that they don't ever have to know other than in stories and listening to this podcast what it was like growing up in that type of environment. Um, and, you know, I know my mom's going to listen to this and, and and your parents probably would too and, and say like, you know, oh, it wasn't that bad. And, you know, you you had it way better than we did when we were growing up. And that's, that's fine. It is what it is. But um, it was that bad by today's standards. And um, like I said, I, I, what I look, when I took from it is I did not, want to have, I didn't want to raise children in that type of environment. So I, that was my motivation for going to college, getting a degree, getting a good job and, and moving out. And you know, and some of the things like when you're in it at the time, like, I don't, I don't think I had a bad childhood. I don't think it was a bad environment. No, it, but, it just, that was what we did. Yeah. Like we didn't know any better. But like when you, when you tell stories to people as you, as you're meeting people now, you know, you expand your circle, you meet people from other places, other areas who've had different upbringings. Like, I remember telling the story about how we used to get government cheese, government oh, sauce. Oh, government cheese was fucking good. Government milk. And so the milk, I was telling this specific story, was the milk used to be a powder, and you used to put it in water. So mm. it was always like really, really watered down milk is what it tasted Which was like. a bad assumption on their part, because they assumed that you actually had running water. Oh, yeah. Which wasn't always the case. So If you forgot to pay the bill. Yeah. So like I was telling somebody that story and they were like, oh, my God, I can't. She's like, I thought I was poor until I hear stories like this. The other thing, Big Daddy to this day will not have yellow American cheese because that's the cheese they used to give the big blocks of when they gave you the government cheese. Mm, I don't don't remember American cheese. I remember um, cheddar. Well, well, yeah, it was cheddar. Sorry, it was was cheddar, but it was the big block and it it has that look. I remember my dad and I sitting there with a cheese slicer, just peeling it one slice at a time and eating it right off the block. Yeah. So the the good things we got out of Nurshell was that we left and, and we learned. 
So um, I'd be interested in anybody listening out there who, who has the time, wants to take the time, comment below on where they grew up, what they thought of it, uh, maybe any nostalgia view of it. Like, you know, once you get away from things, look, I truly do appreciate my childhood. Um, oh, yeah. I, I understand that we were pretty poor, but at the time, I never felt it. The only time I felt it was when we tried to get certain clothes, right? Like, I remember being like, oh, can we get these Nikes? And they're like, no, you can get these Skippies. And for people who don't know what, like, Skippies are, and I was just explaining this recently. Didn't we talk about it on the podcast? I don't think so. But no? All right. I think we might have talked about it in person with my wife last week. Yeah, Skippies. Where, like, if Nike has one swoosh on it, Skippies would have, like, two swooshes on it. Right? <laughs> that would be the Skippies version yeah. of a popular brand. So, yeah. And then... um one other thing that you got from Nurishell was me. <laughs> oh, that was a good thing, right? Yes. And I'm yeah. Michael Carter. And I'm David Michael. And we are Ridiculously, Ridiculously Bored. bored.